Testing, testing, testing. Everybody's testing. Testing. Real hard. Give them all. Give them out. Give them all. Give them out. <laughs> all right. I say Ward. You say podcast. Ward. Podcast. Ward. Podcast. Ward. Podcast. Ward. Podcast. Episode 77. 77. Go. Go. Hi, Will. Hey, what's up, Dylan? Let's just end it there. Yeah. <laughs> end it on a high note. Yeah. That was completely ad lib. Just right off the dome. No practice. Just nothing. We don't practice here. Maybe we need like a Word Podcast album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, Dan did like half of like an ad libbed Word Podcast theme song. Oh, man. Sung song that I kind of want to commit. <laughs> to an actual thing uh joe did like a little there's just so many sound bites that i've just taken and like extrapolated like the rock the vote thing i don't yeah. know if you heard that yeah uh joe did something last episode that i'm going to blow out because secret i haven't put up the last episode yet but you don't know that because last episode came out before this episode whoa blow your mind <laughs> he has like 80 lost episodes in the can <laughs> The Warp Podcast Unplugged. Warp it's like, po- if Dylan dies, the podcast is just going to keep going. No one's going to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to keep going. <laughs> I always think about that, about not this uh, podcast, but just about people building buffers. Yeah. I used to be like really into like web comics and comics in general or comic strips. And people would be talking about, oh, I got to build a buffer, build a buffer. And there's some cartoonist, newspaper cartoonist that did that. He like did like a, he built like a year buffer. Right. Because he wanted to go on like this year long, like global, like travel tour. He just wanted to go like explore the world. And so he had to build out this buffer for himself. And I think he ran out <laughs> like three fourths the way through his trip. So he's just in some, he's like in Malaysia or somewhere, and just <laughs> scribbling down, trying to make new strips. I can't remember who it was, but I remember hearing stuff like that. And, and probably Ziggy. Ziggy. Sounds like something that would happen to Ziggy. Who's Ziggy? Uh, he's Stardust. Like, he's like the the Gotta chubby new... dude that's like always uh, funny. Oh, okay. He's <laughs> a cartoonist, know. or yeah, no, it's it's like it's like Sunday morning cartoon thing. Ziggy, you'd you'd know if you saw him. He's okay. kind of chubby. He looks like a like in my head. It's the grown up version of the uh, how many licks kid. <laughs> okay wait is ziggy the name of the strip or yeah 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 or ziggy's the name of the character in the strip i think both okay because at first that's why i thought you were saying and then i thought you're saying ziggy was like the the gnome de plume of the oh yeah the creator uh autocorrect says ziggy stardust ziggy marley ziggy hood who the hell is ziggy hood Ziggy comment maybe it's like a an arc in the comic where ziggy goes to the hood Oh, okay. I've okay. Tom Wilson. So this is weird. So this comic since nineteen eighty seven has been drawn by Tom Wilson the second. So his son. Uh-huh. Which is the same thing that happened with Family Circus. Dang. Is that the son took over and started drawing it. 
which is weird because the, the sun in the strip is supposed to be modeled after the original cartoonist's son. Ah. So, and then the son grew up and starts drawing the strip and it, he's basically drawing a kid version of himself and his family. I thought you were going to be like, which is weird because I'm the son of Dylan. <gasps> That that eight that eighty podcast buffer, <laughs> yeah. I died, yeah. or my my father died, <laughs> in the in the interim, and I took over. It's a good thing you had a buffer's worth of podcasts to practice his voice. Yeah, and I, and I'm trying to build like a slow buffer a little bit, so like I have, uh, mostly because we did a couple Pax East ones, mm-hmm. so I put the panel up, and then I did one with with Nick and Joe and Luke, one of their friends. Um, which will probably go up sometime next week. And then we have this one. It's yeah. probably going to go up a week or half a week or a week after that one. And then I have the one that I'm going to do next Thursday that's planned. So so there's, so it's, it's, it is going to be staggered. Right. But what I like doing, I like time stamping the episodes the day they're recorded, not the day right. they go up. Because I don't really like doing that kind of future seeing. Right. Of, of like scheduled podcasts where it's like, okay, the podcast we're recording on a Thursday, but it's actually going up on a Friday. So we're going to act like it's Friday. So right. there's no dissonance. What's the point? Yeah, well, I mean, it understands for something much more um, regular. Yeah. Because, but because this, this podcast isn't like, it's going to be every Thursday right. at 10 a.m. <laughs> there's just no point in doing that. Yeah. And sometimes we miss a week and sometimes, sometimes we have two per week and I'm trying to do it so that we get 52 episodes mm-hmm. in a year. But it doesn't have to be, okay, each episode has to be seven days apart from one another. Right. It's as long as I get 52 and on average I get four a month. I mean, they're podcasts. I mean, it's like, you know, people worrying about whether or not their like TiVo is going to be like. <laughs> well, I think there's a worry from the content creators as well for being um, up to date. Yeah, yeah. So, and we don't really have that worry because sometimes I mix in news but you know um, i'm gonna talk about dark souls you know yeah it's <laughs> nothing, the right as rain nothing new going there <laughs> yeah just just timely timely yeah no near near's the big thing <laughs> near now will you gotta talk about near i think that was last week yeah now it's mass effect now it's mass effect <laughs> animations and <laughs> uh, that, that thing you want to talk about that i mean it's pretty funny it's funny, like when you look at it, like, hey, these these animations, like, there's the one where it's the Asari. She pulls out the gun, and the bu- gun is backwards. Right. So she's just pointing the butt <laughs> of the gun at the main character. But it gets less funny when it's like the GamerGate stuff happens. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And they're like, hey, this this is fucked up because the animations are fucked because a woman made it. And then Bioware has to come out like, no, this person you're trying to attack has nothing to do with the animations in this game. Right. You're just being disgusting monsters i mean i think it's just like gamers demand games to be so insane that like all these weird but these weird bugs like just people's faces inverting and like that kind of (laughs) stuff like it's always like struck me as like how how are they doing this Mm -hmm. like it's like never the kind of bugs that like i run into i've never had a crazy bug like that it's always just been like Oh whoops! I messed up an array somewhere, or like. Well, it's well. I mean, to be fair, well, we're working on such a smaller scale than that. Yeah, but like the I mean, MLB bug. That's what I'm saying. Like their scope is like so alien to me that right. like you don't even these bugs. How. Like yeah, like if that were to happen to my game, I'd just be like, I quit. I don't know. Like there's some <laughs> kind of weird 
well, Lovecraftian no, thing going on. If that bug happened in a game, if you were working on a game that scale, you just walk down the hall to the to the graphics <laughs> engineers and be like, "Hey, stop." inverting stop when he kept referring <laughs> to that guy that <laughs> when he was referring to that guy's cigarette face because yeah. it looks like a bunch of just like cigarettes stacked on top of each other specifically like we're talking about the mlb face bug now if mm-hmm. you want to look that up but uh yeah there's there was a good tweet i saw this morning and said something like hey maybe these catastrophic bugs happen because these people have to work on these huge scale games in a ridiculous time timetable yeah which is yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I feel like that's less the case with Mass Effect, right? Because I mean, at least publicly, I think they they said they were working on it like at least two three years ago. Yeah, which still for for a Mass Effect game, you gotta imagine maybe they started planning it out maybe five four or five years ago. Which you know, knowing nothing about the scopes of those games, again, <laughs> seems like a reasonable amount of time. But you gotta look at something like Bio uh, Bioshock Infinite. Which, how long was that in development? Five, six, seven years? Right. Things like that. It's well, I think, like, I, I think it says some a lot about like, uh, like I'm not a huge fan of the new Zelda game. Oh, dun dun dun. <laughs> and uh, but like the the uh, the the lack of like crazy bug videos online for that game is really surprising. Mm. Like the scale of that game. And the scope of it, and the lack of just people flopping around with fifty foot arms, like <laughs> that makes really, game so much easier. Yeah, like that. That says a lot about like how how much Nintendo actually has their shit together. Right, and I mean most of the errors, most of the problems you see in that game come down to the uh, performance. Right. So like when the frame rate dips a little bit, and that's to be expected, because. The Switch you know, is basically a last-gen console. Oh, it's a last-gen Wii U, and the <laughs> Wii U is the last-gen Wii U. Blah, 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 hot takes. Blah, blah. <laughs> but, I mean, they, Nintendo always wants to make turn a profit, or yeah. at least sell their, their consoles at, at cost. They don't, right. they don't want to lose money, so they, they go for, for relatively cheaper Yeah, uh, I like um, that. Hardware. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And then they, they are masters of their own hardware, so they make the games run as good as they need them to run like you know super mario 3d world looks amazing yeah because they know they know their pipeline inside and out because it's all internal it's the same thing you know it's the same it's the same argument with apple like apple can knows that pipeline inside and out but like those performance issues is just because of the scale because of the scope because it's a cross-platform game because they had to make it work for both wii u and switch and kind of a blessing in disguise that performance wise it runs just as good or just as bad on the wii u as it does on the switch right is something i feel is is laudable and and personally at least when i first started playing it i was like okay this this performance thing is not that big of a deal it's not it's not diminishing my enjoyment of this game as i continued to play it it got a little more annoying Mm -hmm. but still not that big of a deal like you can notice it still i still claim Worst performance bug I ever saw was in Dragon Age Origins when you played, when you had Shale in your group and she would do the power up fist punch. And if she wasn't on the screen, just frame rate dropped to like 10. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Like I've seen way more performance bugs. Or oh, talk, yeah. Talk I to- mean, Dark Souls is my favorite game and there's Blight Town and like that always takes the frame rate. 
Is it just because there's a lot of characters walking around and stuff? I think it's like some of the environmental effects they have going on. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's a huge area and it's all foggy and weird and goopy and there's goop and mm. so um, a lot of visual effects that yeah drag it down. I also saw I saw someone talking about I don't know if this was made up or they said someone did this, but let's pretend it's hypothetical for a second. They said that if you ever get fired, if like you get fired like unceremoniously from um, a developer. One way you can get back at them is to make like a million poly peanut and then hide it somewhere in the game. So they just spend hours trying to figure out where the resource drain is. I saw that. I saw someone tweeting that. I was like, man, that's that's pretty mean. That's yeah, that's bad. That's devious. But yeah, so I'm back. I'm yeah. back, baby. I'm oh, back from man. PAX East. And so good. You're looking so good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I've been been dieting. I actually didn't eat that much at Pax East <laughs> simply because I was either in the convention center or I was at the Airbnb and I'm like, it's fucking 12 degrees outside. <laughs> I ain't going outside. Like the day we got there, I got there on Thursday and thankfully, oh, I'm just so thankful because like my plane comes in at 11 and the Airbnb is not supposed to open. Check-ins at four. And I'm like, what am I going to do for five hours? And I said, I'm just going to message the people who run the Airbnb, see what's up and say, hey, uh, I just got in my flight just got in I have all this luggage because I had you know my carry-on my backpack my carry-on bag but then I checked the luggage mm-hmm. get all the mic stands onto the plane and I said I have all this luggage I would really not like to not sit in an airport for five hours if the Airbnb is not open it's fine do you have an office or something that could at least like stow my luggage and they messaged me back like oh Airbnb's ready you can come in now I was like sweet so I go to the Airbnb and we stayed out near Fenway, um, literally like almost right next to Fenway. Yeah. If you walked out of our apartment building, went around the corner and just looked straight down, you could see Fenway Park. That's pretty cool. And you see a city target, which was way cooler. <laughs> Let me tell you about the city target, Will. The city target is three floors. It has Ooh. dedicated escalators for shopping carts. What? You take your shopping cart up to this escalator and you push it through the gate. And there's a chain with hooks on it, and it latches onto the bottom metal rung of the shopping cart, and it goes up to the next floor like a roller coaster. Hey, do you go up next to it? You can. You race it up. There's a, there's a regular human escalator. Right. You don't like ride in the cart. <laughs> ride it up to the next floor. <laughs> I think that's frowned upon in the city target. But I bet people have done it. Oh, I'm late at night. Alex and Mason went there. Because we thought there were no, we thought there was only one towel in the uh, in the apartment, <laughs> but they, but all the towels were actually in the bedroom I was in. They were uh, just in the dresser. Yeah. But Alex was convinced there were no towels, so he went to Target to buy himself <laughs> a towel. So they were there, probably like four beers deep in a city Target, <laughs> buying towels. And Mason was like, "If there's a switch here, I'm going to buy it." And I was I was in bed at this point, but I I had already scoped out the scene. There there was no switch. There were no switches to be had. Right in the city Target because, duh, it's a Target in a in next, a city next to Pax. Yeah. And um, but yeah, so I so I get in, and so Thursday I just spent the day exploring. But it was like forty, maybe forty five, and it was super windy. But it was not oh, yeah. freezing cold. It was it was like okay, it's windy. Like I'm kind of getting pushed back. By the amount of wind, like when we came into Boston, 
the the captain comes on. We're like thirty minutes out from Boston. And he goes, "Hey, uh, we're we're coming in. It's gonna be kind of bumpy. We have forty mile an hour winds in Boston." And I'm like, "All right, whatever." Uh, but you can feel like the the plane did that thing where it dips, where it drops a little bit, yeah. and you get that feeling in your stomach, like when you're on a roller coaster when it goes down. And I'm like, "Up!" Oh, like I clench close my eyes a couple it. times we're just like all right like this is gonna be fine but still <laughs> still a little rocky but yeah but thursday was fine like bearable i could walk around it was just really blustery friday saturday sunday and monday bitterly cold hmm. just unbearably cold just like 12 degrees i think on saturday we walked from our apartment and then walked something like seven or eight blocks to a Panera. Yeah. <laughs> and it was 12 degrees before the wind chill. And it was blowing pretty hard. And my face really hurt. Yeah. It was like numbingly hurt. Just so painful. Did it only start hurting when it warmed up? Like no, when it you was got hurting mid, mid, in in the wind tunnels, walking, walking down the streets. It hurt then. Because I was, because if it's 12 degrees and it's not windy, Mm-hmm. I'm like, whatever, it's fine. Like, it's right. a little cold, but I can bear it. But the second the wind hit me, I was like, I was getting so pissed. I was like, we need to <laughs> find this fucking Panera. I don't give a fuck. Like, fucking this gas station, this outhouse. I don't give a fuck. Get in, get me inside some sort of shelter. Yeah. Why the fuck are we out here? That was like MAGFest. MAGFest, it got that cold, like, for a day. It got pretty cold. And did you walk to the MGM? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yeah, I was talking about how like we we would like be like let's go to Potbelly instead of Chipotle today, and then like Potbelly's just like a few steps further than Chipotle, and it yeah. was just so cold. We were like Chipotle's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I remember making that Chipotle run. That Chipotle walk was freezing. Yeah. That I now I remember. I didn't remember until you brought it up. I was like, oh yeah, that was really that was a bad time, and then I had to do it again. Yeah, for Potbelly. I was like, let's get the fuck in this peep store because this peep store is <laughs> yeah. warm. I'm going to buy some glasses at this cup store. It's a weird that downtown area near the National Harbor is weird. It is really weird because you're in the peep store, which is next to the pot belly. And we walk out of the peep store and there's just a fucking jumbotron like, <laughs> yeah. on the water, just facing the street. I'm like, what, 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 what is the point of this? It's yeah. just like running ads or some random shit. It's like this weird somebody's vision of how like a utopian city should look or something. <laughs> and it's just like, no, you're wrong. They just plopped it down right here. It's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, this is going to be our test market. We're going to see how they respond. Just put the fucking um, dopamine injectors yeah. just in, in the handrails. <laughs> just walk along. Have you ever been to Crystal City? No. Where's that? like Northern Virginia. It that's sounds where, vaguely familiar. That's where David lived for a little while. And okay. like I went up to hang out with him once and it was like, he was like, you want to go get something to eat? And I was like, yeah, sure. And like we walked out of his apartment and like, like in still in his building and just like took an elevator down. And then there was just like this food court. And like, then there was like a grocery. It was just like this weird, if I, I told him it felt like a, like a nineties JRPG. <laughs> Where they're just like, yeah, we'll have the whole city in this RPG. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like this weird like town center 
that's connected to the living spaces that's connected to like everything there's like a railway station but you can't actually get on the subway it's just like yeah. just just <laughs> a model of a train just running through yeah. and there was like a metro station too so pretty, yeah pretty perfect much. <laughs> yeah uh the the panera was like built into a um building that was like that there were like a lot of high rises but we're like is this are these apartments is are these offices because <laughs> yeah. you see a bunch of people in like suits and like with with suitcases right because i was like oh yeah it's still a work day because we're here on a friday and you just see it's like you know there's those are just npcs oh i don't have any dialogue you can't yeah you can't interact with <laughs> yeah. them like if you if you stop in front of them they just push you around <laughs> they just push you forward <laughs> Or their, their, their pathfinding AI has to find a way. <laughs> yeah. I think you can trap them in the corner and then you just spin around. <laughs> Did you see that article about that guy that uh, learned how to trap a self-driving car? No. He like parked the self-driving car in like the middle of a... And I'm, I, I'm interpreting this from a headline and the, the cover image of said headline. Right. Uh, but the picture was a car parked in the middle of a parking lot and then he painted um, not a double yellow line but a single white uh-huh. line with a dotted white line on the outside so basically which meant that people could merge into that lane but right. he couldn't merge out of that lane and so the car was just stuck motionless i don't know if it like spun around or something to right. try to find a way out but it, it, it could be really interesting is to see if it could trap other cars like other self-driving <laughs> cars just being like oh look i can go in here <laughs> there's a bunch of self-driving cars like are slowly <laughs> creeping towards the center and yeah. you know, like collide with it yeah they're like find on a way top out. of each other and stuff it's like that new what was that 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 uh car battling carmageddon or not not or the destruction the, derby I meant not the not the cars that fight, but the robots. You would make the the ro- like the robot death match. Oh, Battlebots? Is that what it's called? Like the TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. It's like that. <laughs> Both cars, but I guess that already existed because yeah. you're just describing <laughs> AI-driven car derbies. Hey. Hey. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> but yeah, so... Where are we? With like the inverted faces stuff. <laughs> I feel like it's just one of these things where it's like we're meddling in God's domain or something. You know, like, like this is like this this level of video games is just beyond us as humans to make right now. Which it, like software, like the love like the scope of software where it is right now is just we're really good at building systems, we're really bad at maintaining systems. Right. Just as as engineers, developers, things like that. Yeah. Like it's the same thing. Like I read a read an article about it a year or two ago. It was talking about like these kinds of scale or scoped software projects, even like enterprise level stuff, is really hard to maintain mm-hmm. because it's you can't picture the whole system. That's why you have teams of people working on it, but then they then have to teach other teams of people to do the maintenance, yeah, and et cetera, et cetera, and and then it expanded into things like. All right, now think of that, but for nuclear missile silos, right? <laughs> but the technology is still like from the 1960s. Like they're yeah. still using floppy disks and vacuum tubes and things like that. Now try maintaining that where you were born in a completely uh, different era. <laughs> it, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah. So like, yeah, we should just be thankful for the inverted faces. It's not going to cause <laughs> mutually assured destruction. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, like, 
the the scale of these things have grown so exponentially and the cost of them and the amount of time that we're given that they're given to make them has decreased so much that it's just like of course of right. course it's going to be crappy yeah and i mean to be fair for the mlb bug that's like, that was like an early build bug like, right in all the videos it says this was from an early version of the game like bef- like pre-release uh so, so there's some leeway in that the the Mass Effect Andromeda stuff a little less so, <laughs> but I still look at it. And I'm like, okay, the the animation, like this one, this specific one. All right, this smile looks kind of weird, but like this, you don't go to Mass Effect for like, <laughs> like, oh man, the, the animation tech. Right. It still looks like a really good game. Like, look how high fidelity. Like, that looks like an awesome high fidelity Mass Effect. Yeah. As someone that really enjoyed Mass Effect, that still look an awesome looking game now if you want to talk about the other criticisms levied against it about how like okay this the gameplay is still clunky mm. um the shooting still doesn't feel amazing it, it might be better or the the game feels kind of shrunk in scope in comparison to any of the mass effects from the trilogy like right that's the stuff we should talk about not yeah. the not the how how dumb does this animation look or how you know how stupid are they for <laughs> for making this? Look at this smile. I can make a better smile. Right. I can smile. I know what smiles look like. Yeah. And it's a lot of... I read an article this morning on, on Vox. It was specifically talking about how the debate surrounding surrounding the new Beauty and the Beast movie. Uh-huh. Because LaFowl, the Josh Gad character, is gay in, in there. And so there was like an... <laughs> A movie theater in Alabama that banned the movie said, we're not going to show this movie because <laughs> there was literally a quote, I think, either from their Facebook page. I think it was one that was since pulled down, but it said something like, if I can't go to the movie theater and sit next to God or Jesus at the same time, which, all right, I'm not going to I'm not going to make fun of anyone's religious beliefs or, or the beliefs that they that, that they derive from. Right. religious text but and the things concept like that. of god and jesus going to see movies is kind of funny <laughs> it is kind of it is kind of funny but it's also like the bigger thing so the article was talking about because at first i thought it was just going to talk about how the problem with anti-lgbtq things right and i say okay I've, I've seen i've seen this argument before and i'm like and, and it's an important thing it's it's terrible there's still people like using their religious beliefs to discriminate against lgbtq ideas or lgbtq right. people or or content things like that but the the greater point of the story was everything is a powder keg or everything is a a um, lightning rod Mm -hmm. so so the beauty and the beast thing is a venue through which people can describe their support or their disdain for something right so it's less about the beauty and the beast thing and more about you going out on social media and saying hey i I think what this theater in Alabama is doing is stupid or I support what this theater in Alabama is doing. Right. So it's less about like the single theater doing its own thing and more about the greater context of it. And everyone needs to kind of feels like they need to plant their flag in the ground with everything. And I feel like that's the same thing that's happening with the Mass Effect Andromeda thing, whether it's people um, having very strong beliefs about, you know, Mass Effect as a series or about uh, women yeah. in game culture, or <laughs> repressed feelings about the ending of Mass <laughs> Effect Three that they need to express in some sort of way. It's 
everything is a lightning rod now. Right. Everything. It's it's kind of interesting. I mean, like, do you? I definitely don't. But do you try to divorce creators from their creation? Um, it depends. So I, I feel like I don't to a degree, but it's for something for the scale of Mass Effect. Like Mason is much better about knowing the people, like knowing who jake solomon is like he gave the 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 opening talk at pax like i didn't know who right. jake solomon was he's it he was one of the leads on a uh i think he was project lead on the xcom games the fraxis mm-hmm. xcom games like i didn't know who he was i didn't know who neil Druckmann was the the writer at at naughty dog you right. know i didn't know who amy henning was before you know she got got really big before she became separate from her creations where amy henning again kind of became a lightning rod right for uh female um, creative power in in games and big budget titles. I don't really know the individual actors unless they are really really famous. Yeah. So obviously, I'm going to know who a Miyamoto is, or I'm going to know who a Sid Meier is, or Will Wright, or things like that. But I don't. If I enjoy a game at that mm-hmm. scale, I kind of don't really seek it out. Yeah. At smaller scale games, because it's easier to know. Right. If it's an indie game, I'm going to know, you know, it's just going to be five people. Right. Well, and also like larger games, they're like created by a committee, you know, like. Yeah. To be like, I don't like Bioshock because one time Ken Levine gave me a dirty look or something (laughs) like that doesn't make any sense because like Ken Levine had his hands in it. But like that game isn't Ken Levine. Right. Whereas like, you know, like Braid is very much it's Jonathan Blow and then the artist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I I mean cuz I don't know I don't know what that means like separating the creator from the creation because like like there were, I mean Dan and I've had that discussion about authorial intent and there is actually a panel that I wanted to see at PAX but I didn't get a chance to about authorial intent mm-hmm. um that Austin Walker was on but it's kind of this thing where it's really hard to have like a full scale postmortem on a game. Like right. when people do postmortems, it's like, okay, here's here's the sales figures, or here's like the technical issues that we faced, or this or that, um, or this is what I wanted to bring about in the game. Um, but it's usually for games that really don't like if someone comes out and makes it like an arcadey indie game, like some shoot 'em up or something like that. Right. You're not gonna be that interested in like, okay, where did you get your your idea? your ideas or yeah. like where, where were the, what was the inspiration? What's your gender politics? Or tell me about this, you know, 15th century Italian Renaissance <laughs> artist that like really influenced you to make the art style this way. Yeah. It's like, you don't look for that. You look right. like, Oh, this game's really fun. I enjoyed it. And this guy did this or that. I, I do think you can find authorial intent with, with narrative and writing in games. So that's why I'm mm-hmm. interested in like the, the story and in inside, even though I didn't like it, it's like, what, what was, right. what was the impetus for making the story, what it was, or the story in Firewatch or the story in Gone Home. Um, Gone Home is probably the easiest one, from my own opinion, the easiest one to interpret because there's a big, um, uh, pro gay message in there. Right. Because and also w- the game itself is very intimate. Right. So, yeah. So it's, so it's a kind of a, uh, about one girl discovering her sexual identity right. and Fulbright is very much about supporting the LGBTQ community so much so that when 
Microhulix said those things, things that were seen as like anti-LGBTQ or anti-trans community. Uh-huh. Fulbright was straight up like, we're not going to PAX ever again. Right. Just straight up cut. Or like when Lucky Palmer, Palmer Lucky, I always say Lucky Palmer, <laughs> Palmer Lucky. Said, well, he's lucky. <laughs> uh, maybe not anymore. But he, when Palmer Lucky said the things, uh, or, you know, when it came out that he was supporting like alt-right stuff, mm-hmm. Super Hypercube straight up like or um polytron the developers are super hypercube we're straight up like we're not we're not releasing on the oculus anymore just right we're done just vive only whatever and and that's commendable yeah but it's not like you can interpret super hypercubes liberal intents through the gameplay right <laughs> like it's an arcadey <laughs> like uh puzzle vr game yeah so the more mechanical a game gets more a game gets to be about gameplay over narrative mm-hmm. i think the harder it is to talk about authorial intent or separating the artist from its work right because at the end of the day if a creator says oh i want to make a first person shooter as opposed to a third person shooter no one's right. going to be like how what what could you possibly <laughs> what like there's just the stakes aren't there right but and but obviously we can see with something like Mass Effect Andromeda where there's already so much buy-in with the community, any false move, any misstep can be interpreted as a slight. And then yeah. everyone wants to find their boogeyman about it. So have you seen Beauty and the Beast? The new one, no. Because I'm wondering, like, is this inclusion of a gay character, are they specifically is that there to push some kind of agenda or were they just like look uh here's the demographics of our audience and that should be reflected in the movie or you know what i mean like no i think it was a creative interpretation of lafau because uh, apparently lafau has kind of this romantic or from from lafau's perspective a romantic interest in gaston okay because you know they're buddy buddies and so he kind of he has you know, and you can interpret it as, I mean, the character is gay. Right. Like the director confirmed the character in the context of this, like the character is gay. Right. Character's gay. Um, and so you could see that his relationship with Gaston could be both romantic and, and platonic. Mm, yeah. Maybe it's like for, both from a place of respect and a place of, of interest. Obviously Gaston <laughs> being the hyper masculine dude that he is, isn't going to reciprocate that. Well, you never know. Never know. But there's a, there are songs in Beauty and the Beast that are kind of like about their relationship. Like the OG, like the cartoon? I, I think it's... I haven't s- seen either. <laughs> <laughs> we're, just, we're just masters on yeah. talking about the subject. But I, I, I'm trying to recall the article, but I think they, they said it's slightly hinted at in uh, the cartoon version and it's more explicit in the, the live action version. I just don't like Beauty and the Beast. So yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't really interested in, in seeing beauty and the beast yeah uh i'm also not interested in consuming any more media where french people have british accents <laughs> kind of real sick yeah, of that that's really weird like yeah. romans uh everyone the greeks yeah. yeah pretty much if you're white from antiquity <laughs> not even like, like you get like, a modern british accent <laughs> like like not even because like a beauty and a beast takes place in what 17th 18th century right. france or 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 les mis 
I was the same like problems with Les Mis. It's like this kid has like a fucking Cockney accent. Like, <laughs> yeah. what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, it's some sort of weird creative interpretation that happened. Boom, boom, <laughs> the Gaston is hot in it. <laughs> <laughs> what the what? <laughs> Like, we're just going to give everybody a Croydon accent. Like, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was that or like a really like thick, like n- New York or Boston <laughs> accent. Not a lot of Boston accents, like a couple when I was in PAX. Yeah. Not like a lot. You can get hit in, hit in the face with it. It's not like a, a Scorsese movie set in Boston no. where it just like everybody's talking about parking lads. <laughs> get in the car. <laughs> In the pack and that. No, there's not. It was, so Boston accents really pissed Mason off. Yeah. And we didn't push. I mean, we, we <laughs> said them. We did it a little bit. Right. It wasn't like we were doing Boston accents from here to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> but you could see how Boston kind of leans into it too. Right. Uh, because in the Boston Convention Center... There's a like a small food court mm. uh, that wasn't there last year. I think they put they put more seating and stuff down. And there's like a little grill at, or bar and grill they can go into. Just funny because the Sam Adams bar <laughs> just says Sam Adams bar. I'm like, all right, we're buying into this. The the food court's called the Wicked Good Market. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're obviously you're obviously appealing to out of towners right. with the branding of this. <laughs> but you saw a little bit of that. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast on on uh, Saturday at PAX, but when I was in the City Target, there was there was a bunch of St. Patrick's Day stuff, like yeah. t-shirts and fucking pile of Guinness or whatever. But the t-shirts were both branded for St. Patrick's Day, but also branded specifically for Boston, which made me realize, oh, this is like this city's like holiday. Right. This is the cultural identity of, historically of Boston, like the Irish American identity plus St. Patrick's Day, it's it's just gonna make I was like, we need to get the fuck out of the city. <laughs> yeah. The city's gonna be raised to the ground. Yeah. Come St. Patrick's Day. And I said that to Dan. Dan's like, no, it's fine. Because he was he he lived in Boston when he was yeah. in college. And he's like, no, it's like St. Patrick's Day is really fun. I was like, no, we need to get the fuck out of this fucking town. Richmond's bad enough with uh Sham Rock the Block. Rock the Block. Yeah, I've never I've never attended is it is it a site? I have no idea. Where is it? Is it downtown? I think it's uh it's in the bottom? I think it's in the at the boulevard. I don't I have no idea. But like it's everywhere though. Like it's so, so like yeah, so like, I've been doing like this food delivery thing mm-hmm. and everywhere I went during Shamrock the Block, I was like, All right, well I'm just not gonna go over to Shamrock the Block. <laughs> but like everywhere I went it was just like insane. Wow. Hmm. 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 Give people an excuse. Other than that, how was your St. Patrick's Day? Uh, uneventful. Yeah. I, I saw one person with like green and I was like, oh, yeah. You don't get pinched. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else does. Everybody. Walking around like a crab. Yeah. <laughs> Zoidberg. <laughs> uh, are you Irish, Bill? I mean, Will. Bill, <laughs> Billy. I felt like oddly appropriate. <laughs> Billy, uh, no, well, maybe a little bit. I don't okay. know. I'm what, kind of a, what's Blanton? Is that German? I think it's Scottish, oh. I th- I, I, or like North English, like right on the border of 
the Brits and the Scots. Got it. Or at least when I was playing, uh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> when I was playing uh, Warband, the like twelve sixty seven mod or whatever, where it's like, so like uh, Mountain Blade Warband is like all fake stuff, like Swadia and stuff. Okay, but there's a mod that makes it like real countries, the twelve hundreds, and yeah, like Europe and some of the Middle East. And like, so I was like, all right, I'm going to play as like my great, 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 etc. So I like, I did some like ancestry.com stuff, found that it's probably from there. So did some role playing. Some RP, RP server. RPing as my grandpops or whatever. One of them. Yeah. One of the grandpappies. Yeah. Clan Blanton. Clanton. I do have like, uh, so like in Braveheart, you know, the guy that like uh, betrays the dude, I think Robert the Bruce. Okay. I think Vaguely. I'm related to him. Oh, oh, that's yeah. good. So that explains a lot of All stuff. Right. <laughs> if, I ever, if I ever create a rebellion, I'll keep in mind and not yeah. invite you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but I'm a good time. Oh, yeah. If I remember that movie correct, which I might not be. It's been a couple of years. I have it on DVD. I want it at like a, a white elephant one Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Getting me some Braveheart. Now I have Netflix, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So we've been playing, Willie B. Uh, well, I set up my retro pie. Ooh. Yeah. Is that encased in anything or is it just a board sitting on your table it's it's it has like this cool little rainbow case Ooh. that i got way back when i first bought the pie which was like years ago <laughs> and i was just like all right well now that i have this all set up trash <laughs> but recently i had it set up for um raspberry pie uh pico pico pie raspberry pico i don't know whatever it's called but pico yeah, eight i love me some pico pie <laughs> oh me oh like, my pico pie and i was like I was with my girlfriend. I was like, look, now I can make games on the TV. And she was like, great. <laughs> and I was like, it could it could also play like Nint- Nintendo if I want it. And she was like, all right, well, let's do that. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't care about your passion, Will. Yeah. She was like completely just like, great. Yeah. It was so fun when you're just doing it on your laptop. And now you can take up the whole living room doing it. Damn. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think she was that bad about it, but you could see. You could see in her eye roll how deep this went. <laughs> but um but yeah, as soon as I put uh well, Mega Man the 2 on there, stole. she was just like, ooh. But yeah, so I've been playing some some older games. I've been playing Cat Trap for Game Boy, which is like a really fun puzzle platformer. Cat Trap. Yeah. I definitely recommend it. It's really cute. It's like a platformer, but you can't jump and like every move is like explicitly like going to the next tile sort of so it's puzzly it's very puzzly mm. and like the whole goal is to punch all the bad guys so are you, you sure have to, like, are you not describing mappy right now i feel like you're describing <laughs> mappy i'll have to play mappy i haven't played mappy you should you should try mappy mappy's wendy likes mappy mappy's kind of kind of cool but yeah you play as a uh, a mouse police officer and you um i don't think you can jump but it's like you're in this you're in a house with multiple floors and you're like kicking down doors and the enemies are all cats. Oh, so the like cat and, the, and they're, they're doing the random AI routine. So they're like running around. But if you like kick a door down with a cat behind it, they, oh, yeah. they're, they're dead. 
What system was that on? It was an arcade game. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a, there was that game Super Dynamite Bros or something for mm-hmm. Genesis. I think it was also an arcade. Sounds similar. Fun. Yeah. But yeah, this is really cute. I think you play as cats. Julie was talking about like how the bad guys were cats because they were doing this little cat dance. Like their paws are up. But uh, they don't have ears, so I'm sticking with the you're the cat. And you're setting the traps. All right. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, there needs to be more cat-themed games in the world. I know. Between like Mappy, Cat Trap, Rodent's Revenge. Big Rodent's <laughs> Revenge fan right here. Yeah. When when do you think they'll make the Zelda where you turn into a cat? Hmm. Hmm. They need to like get... Like once they're out of this peak of like the open world Zelda right. games, and then it like starts like they f- start falling from grace again. Yeah, it's got to be in the same arc as Twilight Princess. Yeah, where it's like okay, we made Majora's Mask. Okay, now we made Wind Waker. Oh shit, people hate Wind Waker because of the art style. All right, we need to make a more realistic Zelda. Yeah, and then right at that arc, they need the same thing because they introduced the Wolf Link. So at the same time, it's gotta be like oh, people really high on Breath of the Wild. Oh, we made it to open world. All right, we got to shrink it back down. All right. I feel like there's one dude at Lion Zinc. Yeah, that's like just has all the bad ideas. And like the the less they let him touch the game, I think the better. Like with Breath of the Wild, like I'm not the biggest fan of it. I think it's a good game, but like the whole iPad thing ruins it for me. Like Sheikah's a slate. Yeah. And I just want it to be like you're a kid, you got a sword, you got a shield, and you're wrecking stuff. Like, that's what like Zelda is to me. Like you can have the boomerang, cool. Yeah, you can have the stuff, but like, like even Ocarina of Time, like the gimmick was like the ocarina and going back in time, which are two like pretty cool gimmicks. You know, like an ocarina, like it doesn't really fit. Like, it's, I I don't think there were like ocarinas in Europe. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a some more of an Asian Central South American yeah. kind of thing. Oh, is it? But like. Still, it's like a really cute instrument, and like the 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 idea of like instrumental magic is like pretty cool. Yeah, thematically it works. Yeah, whereas like uh, an iPad, <laughs> it just uh, I don't buy it. You know, I, <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I think I don't. Th- I think the Sheikah Slate exists as a substitute for you having to buy bombs all the time. It's basically instead of you going to the dungeons, instead of the dungeons being about getting the items and there being an order of the dungeons, it's like, all right, this dungeon, I'm getting my boomerang and this dungeon, I'm getting right. my hook shot. It's like, no, here's the tablet and here's, we're going to just unlock them all for you right now. So it's the bombs, the um, the magnet, yeah. the, the time stop, But even like in that. context, I feel like that doesn't make sense because my iPad can't do that. <laughs> I don't have an iPad. You don't have way, ancient but. Sheikah technology. Right. But my point is, it's not supposed to be interpreted the same way as Ocarina, as the Ocarina and Ocarina of Time, because otherwise it would be called Legend of Zelda Sheikah Slate. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely, like, the gimmick they're pushing is the open-worldness of the game. Yes. Breath. Yeah. The breadth of the wild, <laughs> if, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so it's just like, they were just like, yeah, nobody liked Wind Waker, because of the graphics. So we need to make like a realistic Zelda. And then that dude was just like, can he be a wolf too? And they're like, sure. <laughs> they're like, 
I personally really, really like Twilight Princess because it was the first Zelda I ever played. Oh, yeah. So I have, there's a, I enjoy Twilight Princess. I think that that's probably just like everybody's favorite Zelda is probably like most of the time. It's either the first one they played or Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Those are your options right yeah. now. Uh, I feel like Link to the Past, I think, is is a contender in that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel that that argument's used a lot for things like Mario Kart. Right. Favorite Mario Kart's first Mario Kart ever played. Like, yeah. what's your favorite Mario Kart? Super Nintendo. See, my favorite Mario Kart's Mario Kart 64. Right. There are people that have played through Mario Kart that fucking hate Mario Kart 64. <laughs> and it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just because you just don't have that context, right? People that had PCs that could play Quake fucking hate GoldenEye because <laughs> they just think it's a dumbed down first person shooter, or they yeah. hate Halo because like, dude, we were doing this on the PC like five ten years ago. Like, yeah, catch up. <laughs> it's, it's it's just context. Yeah, things like that. So the people that got really sick of or hated twilight princess for its linearity for its extremely long tutorial sequence at the beginning for mm-hmm. everything like that is things that i didn't see because this wasn't my third or fourth or fifth console zelda yeah like i didn't play ocarina of time i didn't play majora's mask i didn't play wind waker right so playing twilight princess is like oh this is link well, i think uh, yeah this with is the zelda. first zelda you give it the benefit of the doubt that said, I don't like Skyward Sword. Yeah. Mostly because I think the motion controls are super intrusive and didn't work for me. So I actually could not progress through the game because my motion controls just weren't working. Right. Uh, but Breath of the Wild, I really, really like. I really like the lack of linearity in it. Right. Um, I feel like, and I think people that really like Dark Souls. Yeah hate this comparison but i think it's like the closest i'll ever get to like something similar to dark souls just in terms of difficulty lack of giving a shit if you die right like if you die you're fucking dead like fuck you you're dead go back um but obviously it's not as brutal as like all right all also you lost all your currency yeah and you have to go retrieve that but i think the things that i from a from a intellectual standpoint, mm-hmm. think is interesting about Dark Souls. I think Zelda has and and attracts me to it. But yeah, I like I like the exploration. I like the open endedness of you walk into an encounter and it could play out any way. Right. I like that there's no tutorialization at all. Well, there's very little. The plateau is. Pretty much a tutorial. Yeah, it is, but it's it doesn't tell you anything about crafting. It doesn't right, tell right. you anything about cooking. It doesn't tell you about where you need to... I mean, it, it there's, a, there's a quest line, and there's a marker on the map of like, all right, here's the next objective in the right. quest, but there's no like... See, what's so great about Dark Souls is if this was Dark Souls, you could like kill the Ghost King and take the thing, <laughs> take the leaf thing, or the <laughs> glider. And just like skip that whole part. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, the, but, and, and yeah. there's the open-endedness. Like, obviously, you can't kill NPCs, but, like, you can go straight to Hyrule Castle if right. you want to. You're gonna, probably going to fucking die unless you, like, are very good at the controls, but you can at least... You can go there. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the... The... Uh, the ease of use things are very, very, very helpful. Like, yeah. being able to mark things on the map. I'm doing a sequence right now where... 
I'm trying to um doing the old chestnut of oh Link has amnesia. Protagonist has amnesia in a video game. You must recover his memories. Right. So they give you this uh, this mission of here's twelve photos that you unlock on your iPad. <laughs> uh, you download them from iCloud. They're they're stored up there yeah. for a hundred years. Uh, but you you're at capacity. Did, you couldn't you couldn't has somebody hack them yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you have these photos, and it's like okay, you need to go to these locations and figure out. Um, and and try to recall your past, but it's just here's a photo. Try to use the landmarks in the photo to figure out where it is. Goodbye. Right. Good luck. And I think I've gotten like three so far, because and those are the three with like very obvious landmarks in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, here's one with the mountains that are very uh, or the dueling peaks that okay, that's very obvious. I can I can ascertain where that's going to be. Okay, this one has Hyrule Castle in the background, so right. I can figure that out. This one has like this floating object in the background. I can figure that one out. But this one is just ruins, or this one's just a forest. Yeah. And I don't want to look it up. Oh yeah. Because I want to be like, okay, if it's a forest, it can be. I can at least narrow it down to these places. Yeah. Or okay, here's one that's on a body of water. All right, it's going to be one of these places. Right. And that's fascinating to me. I love that kind of stuff. I love the stuff where I have to use my know-how, my own intelligence. I'm not using mm-hmm. some sort of intelligence score or charisma score. I'm not using something, some sort of system in the game to right. figure it out. I'm using what I have as a person. The same thing endeared me to like Gone Home. Like a lot of the puzzles are like I have to use my own logic. Right. Um, there are a lot of environmental puzzles in this game that you just have to figure out by yourself. Like, so there are shrines, which I'm sure you understand the the shrine mechanic a yeah. little bit. But for those who don't know, there are shrines. There's about there's something like a hundred ten of them in the world. And when you beat one, so they're all like these these puzzle rooms. And when you beat one, you get a uh, you get a spirit orb. And when you have four spirit orbs, you can spend that. You can pray at at these um, statues to like the god, the goddess, and you can trade four spirit orbs for either increased health or increased stamina. Right. Which you use stamina a lot for running, climbing, swimming, using your paraglider. Um, and also on your iPad, you have <laughs> this GPS that can tell you when a shrine's nearby. Yeah. Which is super helpful. Um, it's not so much GPS as like it's some a sort thing of tracker. that yells at you. <laughs> Yeah, that gets a little annoying. Yeah. It's like, blip, 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 blip. all right, I gotta turn the sound off until I find this fucking shrine. But some of the shrines are like really hard to get to, or it's hard to figure out like what you need to do. I found a shrine today, this morning, where it, you, I walked up and it was this cliff face, but the cliff face was just covered in brambles. Mm-hmm. dry brambles all over the cliff face and you can't see the shrine I'm like I don't know where it is but I know that the the um brambles are flammable so I'm like okay well I just light this I just figure out a way to light it on fire and it should burn away all the brambles and I should be able to find the shrine I'm like alright sounds like a good plan Dylan let's do this <laughs> downpour <laughs> just uh. immediately starts raining like, all right, well, just got to wait this out. So I like climb up the side of the mountain, which took up like all my stamina because you slide down the mountains when it's raining. 
and there's something up there. There was like a, a Kokiri Sprite or whatever. So I got, a, I got a seed from them and I was just walking around waiting for the, the storm to pass and the storm passes and I climb back down. I'm like, all right, I got to light this thing. Um, What do I have on me that can light it? Because I mean, I have a torch, but in order to light the torch, I have to have a, a, a source of uh, fires right. already. So all right, all right, I got this flint. It says the flint can light stuff um, if you strike it with metal. So I'm like, all right, that obviously means I have to throw it on the ground. If I hit it with metal, it should probably light. All right, well, I have this bundle of wood. So if I throw the bundle of wood down, I can light the flint. Um, it should make a fire, and I can take the torch and light it, and then light the brambles. And I was like, wait a second. I don't need to light extra wood. I should just be able to let, throw the flint on the ground and light it. Right. Which is what I did. I threw it on the ground. And I was like, I really hope this works and doesn't like break the flint because then I just used up a flint for no reason. And it lights and it lights up the brambles and it all burns away. And then there's like a a boulder that I can blow up with the bomb. And I throw the bomb and it blows up and there's a shrine inside. And it's a lot of me lodging, logicking it out right. by myself instead of being like, okay, let me go to the wiki and see what it says. <laughs> all right, I can do this and do this and do this and do this, which is something you would do for like a Minecraft or Stardew Valley where right. it's like, no, I need explicitly need to know how these systems work. Yeah. But in this game, it's much more like, all right, it's time for some experimentation. And if the experimentation fails, like in something like the cooking where you can like fuck up recipes sometimes and you get dubious food, yeah, which is all pixelated, uh, then you failed. But there's still a lot of freedom in it. And, th- and that's why I like about it. Right. What don't you like about it? Well, I mean, I can, I could probably like cite a few things that are just like gameplay things that I don't like, but like me specifically, like if I want to just make this about me, it's uh, all about you girl. Yeah. On your 16th say, birthday. <laughs> I would say that it's just like, it's just not the, the Zelda game that I want. Like that's the, that's and, it. And like you're saying you, you're more about, what what like what is your preferred Zelda? Well, so like I really like Zelda two, and everybody hates Zelda two because it wasn't Zelda one, right? Right. <laughs> but everyone hates uh, Wind Waker because it wasn't right, Ocarina of Time. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but like, what I really liked about Zelda two was just that like you played as just a, a guy, you know, like you were just this dude who wants to wake up the princess, and like wake up. It kind of references the last game because like they're just like oh cool you're that guy you know but like you're not like some kind of crazy warrior or anything it's kind of like you're just like a kid and uh you kind of suck and the combat's kind of interesting and the way you travel the world feels really it felt really like real at the time Mm -hmm. because there were like roads and towns and stuff hidden in the forest and like these weird like uh these interesting like very everything was just kind of down to earth but also kind of fantastic and it felt kind of like i really liked ray harryhausen movies when i was a kid Uh because like i mean we have like all these crazy fantastic movies and stuff but these were just like you know here's a cyclops you know like that's a very archetypal beast and stuff and here's reanimated skeletons you know what i mean so it's just like it felt like that where it was just kind of like it was just like a real adventure i feel like right i will agree with that i want a game more like that because zelda has always felt 
And this is why I really like Twilight Princess, but most Zeldas have felt very like pristine mm-hmm. and like their depiction of the world. Like, right. Oh, it's after some devastation or it's like, right. Well, I mean, and that's one of the things I have a problem with breath of the wild. It's like, it starts off and it's like, Calamity Ganon is the apocalypse of all things, the darkness that spreads across the land. And then it's just like, tweet, tweet, tweet. Here's a beautiful vista. And it's just like, it doesn't really fit, does it? Right. Like, like that's why I liked about Twilight Princess is like a lot of iron and a right. lot of grunge to it. Right. That like in, in all of the Twilight people, like there was that, 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 that cyberpunkiness that like crept into the very kind of dirty high fantasy one that right. wasn't even high fantasy, the dirty kind of like more realistic fantasy Yeah, that I really liked. And, and, and like you're talking about roads and things like I like, I'm really sick of fantasy settings being like this kind of spoken wheel kind of system where it's mm. like, here's a town. All right. You walk five feet out of town and there's nothing. Right. Like, and okay, here's a bunch of grass or wood huts, mud huts for you. Like there's no, and I mean, and, and Witcher has like a, a some variation because you have like Oxford, which is like this more or Novigrad, which are more built up mm. cities. But there's no, it's, it's very, it's very discreet, right? <laughs> and like it's biomes. If you want to use a Minecraft yeah. term, it's like yeah. here's a town, then here's the forest, and here's a town, here's the wilderness, and here's a town. Yeah. And no, I want I want to see some urban sprawl, and I want to see some like, I want to see something that's not green pastures in in brick work and right and or make the wilderness more of like a an interesting concept right like what so like uh one of the interesting things to me like recently i've kind of like discovered about things like antiquity like the bible for instance the bible refers to the wilderness and when it does it's like a very very like it's a scary thing you know like like for us, you ima- like they're like you know like you, you know the Jewish people walked around in the wilderness for forty days and forty nights, and you're like okay whatever like I've gone hiking, <laughs> you know. But like back then, you had like the cities which were like you know walled, and they were like very safe and stuff. And then you had the wilderness, which was just like chaos and like you can't survive the wilderness. And so like. I think just being able to like hop on your horse and trot to wherever you want is like kind of in these games Mm -hmm. or, you know, like the, the, it just feels like, so Zelda two, when you're out in the wilderness, there's just all these things hunting you and they're just these shadows that appear and they try and get to your character. Like if you're not on the main road and this is like the overworld map view. Right. Okay. And so like, you know, as an adult, if you play that, it looks really cheesy and stuff. You know, like there's, like I'm the first to admit that like Zelda Two hasn't really aged amazingly well. Uh huh. I think if you go back and play and like dive into the combat, which was still pretty rusty, but like if you really dive into it and like invest some mental energy into it, it's like, oh wow, this game really did some interesting things. But like as a kid, when it's like you have to stay on the road. And then you get to a point in the game where there's no road, but you have to go over there. It's like terrifying, you know? Right. And so like the, the world had like this like cohesiveness and this like kind of, it just, it felt very like, I don't want to say idyllic because it's not like happy, but like very, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it felt like magical 
without them having to like push like crazy visual effects you know what i mean and so like i think i feel like dark souls and shadow of the colossus ate zelda's lunch and I don't think Zelda's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is just all me. Like, this right. is why I don't like the new Zelda. And it's because, like. Because a baby game for babies. Well, it's not that. It's just that, like, Shadow of the Colossus had such a cohesive visual vision, you know. Uh, the monsters looked like they were part of the world. The The structures looked like they were part of the world. Everywhere you went, it looked, it felt like you were exploring this world. And, like, it didn't it didn't have a lot of extraneous stuff you know what i mean like it was stark you know which is somebody some people hate that some people love it uh but it just felt like you know this is telling me this like really magical story and there's no junk and then dark souls i feel like mechanically took a lot of cues from ocarina of time and like ran with them and like like vastly improved them and added their own stuff to it and also the world feels very cohesive and it feels like you're down in it and it feels like you're exploring this world and like i think a lot of people uh confuse big sprawling areas with exploring because i feel like the tightness of dark souls gives you more to chew on and like lets you explore to like a really great extent you know Mm -hmm. like everything in the in the environments are kind of telling a story of this world uh, you know and then you have like the item descriptions that like are kind of a bad way to tell stories but it's still like you're exploring this extremely dense world whereas like when people are like i want to explore a world you know they're just like riding across a grassy green field on a horse and like to me that's not interesting Mm. but yeah so it's just like i think zelda and i'm sure ocarina of time is guilty of this too but i was too young to really catch it but i think every zelda since then has just had these like things on top of it that just don't make any sense to me like and in this zelda it's all the like your ipad and the systems yeah well no the systems i think are really interesting but like okay the the shrines just being these like chunks of glowing rock or something like it's just like uh, so it you're doesn't jive. You're, you're talking specifically about the aesthetic yeah yeah okay see that's funny because i think that that because a lot of people so you're talking about shadow of mordor i mean <laughs> shadow of the colossus <laughs> and shit no let's talk about shadow of mordor it's a great game <laughs> so you're talking about shadow of the colossus and how it's very it's very tightly packed like it's or not it's the aesthetic is is has follow through right like it's all contained within itself yeah um trying to think of the right word to to describe that but it's it's all it feels right yeah feels like it's all part it's it's cohesive cohesive. that there it is um that you think zelda lacks i think part of the reason why zelda lacks which is the issue that some people brought up which does really bother me but i can see how it bothers some people is that it's so tied down to its canon right because what you know whenever the hyrule historia came out or before that <laughs> wind waker probably 
or no, I would say Majora's Mask, because Majora's Mask was a sequel to Ocarina of Time. Right. Is when they started saying, okay, we need to make all these all these stories need to be part of right. one canon, which is something that I like because I think it's really cool how stuff intermingles with one another. Like I like the idea that in Breath of the Wild you have a Sheikah slate and there's all this Sheikah technology. So the Sheikah people have like this advanced technology and are, you know, have this magic imbued with technology thing. And, you know, the Sheikah people come from Ocarina of Time. Right. You know, Zelda could become Sheik. And I'm not very clear on like how the Sheikahs work. And I, but I think that's really cool. Um, or I think it's, I think, I think that's interesting and cool. But I just feel like I don't know, there's like so okay so I'm gonna get kind of weird on you right now okay so like there's a lot of like weird conspiracy stuff about like ancient technologies and stuff right mm-hmm. like in the real world or yeah in okay. the real world and so like I think what's what kind of captures my imagination with those people is that they kind of if you were to be like you know like you know, when, whenever somebody's like, Oh, how did these Incans move all these megalithic stones? It's just like, well, I mean, you could say like, Oh, maybe they had bulldozers, but that's obviously bullshit. So then you start to get into like, well, you know, there's a lot of ancient tales that describe things like, uh, the power of sound, you know what I mean? And like how there's all these Greek myths about, you know, loot players and stuff that can move things with the power of audio and stuff. And so like, that's like a very like visceral and interesting concept of like technology. But I think what gets me with breath of the wild is like this idea of like ancient technology. And of course, if ancients had technology, they must've had a Wii U tablet. <laughs> like It's just like, it's just, no. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I can I can see that point about how they wanted to incorporate the Wii U tablet or the Switch tablet into yeah. like it being an aesthetic. Um, I also hate that there are still motion controls in this game because some of the shrines, like there's one where it's like the the little puzzle where you have the ball and you have to get it into the hole. Yeah, you have to, and but like the accelerometer in the Wii U is never as accurate or as fast as I want it to be, yeah. so I constantly fuck up. Or there's one where you have a boulder like in this rail um, and you have to hit it with a mallet and it launches up the rail. But to hit it with the mallet, you have to swing the Wii U controller. Uh, yeah. You have to like tilt it up one side and that <laughs> brings the mallet around. Um, but you have to do it with enough speed and enough force. You have to have a wide enough arc to hit it. So it'll launch it far enough. Right. So I was sitting there on the couch doing it once and I tried swinging it real hard, like trying to like, like completely like, Flipping the the Wii U tablet upside down, but trying to still keep my grasp, and the Wii U just flew up, flew out of my hands, <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, crap!" And so I picked it back up, and I had to accidentally hit the home button. So the uh, home button was pressed. Um, so it was on the the uh, like the 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 Wii U system uh, layer screen. Right. And so I hit it again, so it unpaused and put me back into the game. But now it had recentered the mallet. So now the mallet was like turned 90 degrees and facing a completely different direction, but that was now center to the way I was holding the Wii right. tablet. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so I left, I exited out of the puzzle. And then when I reactivated the puzzle, it 
recentered it. Right. I was like, there's no reason. Why are we still using motion controls? This is the reason I don't have that last star in Super Mario Galaxy is because they're obsessed with motion controls. Yeah. And I think motion controls are bullshit. Yeah. Every other company has realized this by now. They're st- oh, it's just so, so frustrating. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's interesting about, about the aesthetic argument. And I can understand how like some of the stuff doesn't, doesn't work for some people. Yeah. Yeah, I I would like to see it doesn't have to be Zelda, but I would like to see a game that's more more claustrophobic. Right. That's 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 tighter and scarier in some ways. It's like it's it's kind of oppressive. Gotta play Dark Souls. Yeah. But those mechanics, man. They're really great. they it takes some diving uh, into, I'll admit. Uh, but I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty much like Breath of the Wild, like lock on sword huh? and board. Do I have but, a, Do I have an iPad? Yes, there's an iPad. <gasps> I'm on board. But yeah, I mean, it's just things like, so, okay, so for instance, like if someone were to be like, you know, in this new Zelda game, Link has access to an ancient tablet that unlocks secret mysteries of the world. I'd be like, I'm on board. This sounds amazing. But then when they're like, and it's actually the Wii U tablet or a Switch gun, it's just like, it just doesn't match. And then even within that, you have like this ancient technology that has like kind of like a discount Geiger Mobius feel to it, <laughs> which like already I'm not really totally on board with it. But like, okay, let's take that as a given. And then you have this Wii U tablet that he has with like neon grids and stuff like that. And it's just like, even within the world, the thing that is already, I feel like, not consistent with the design of the world is also not consistent within itself. Well, and so it's I just think, like, but I think some of that dissonance is intentional. Like it's it's supposed to be so that's how it makes it ancient and alien and like a, te- a lost technology. Right. Well, that that would explain like the immediate dissonance between ancient technology and the surrounding world. Uh-huh. But then even within the ancient technology, you have like the very organic and like light up stuff okay. that is like the temples and the guardians and stuff like that. And then you have like the like Far Cry blood dragon blue neon lines of the map okay. and like the weird like pink audio meter. Yeah. Which could could have been represented by so many different other things like Metal Gear Solid 4 has like a really interesting audio meter that that shows audio surrounding you doesn't Mm -hmm. show what you're doing yeah that's also on like a mini map but like i thought it was like literally physically circling around him isn't that like a isn't the ui like around snake yeah yeah you see i don't like that like i don't like stuff that obstructs well i mean it doesn't really obstruct your view so much because it's such a thin line like i can understand that it's distracting but like what i'm saying it's just like Zelda isn't for me this world of Zelda isn't the place for like a a, a UI with a circle and like a pulsing pink audio thing like it just doesn't it just doesn't mesh for me like I I can see that yeah I do like when you're in the shrine and you get to like the the monk like the decrepit monk at the end right and there's like that blue force field and you touch it and it ripples out yeah and then it shatters into a bunch of like light shards right i do like that every time he does it i'm like ooh, and then i'm like all right skip 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 because the rest of this is just boring all but right yeah i just give me think the spirit that, orb I, I feel i feel like they could have been a lot more creative with different ui elements and 
It's hard. I yeah. don't like the loading screens. The the starkness of them? I like them if they were by themselves. They do not mesh with anything else in that game. Right. Well, see, so I like the look of those way more than the look of the UI in general. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that it like this isn't part of this game. That aesthetic like occurs nowhere else. Right. And so it's, see, like I wish that that they had leaned more on that aesthetic than like this like like nineties UI from like a bad cyberpunk game. I can see that. I will I, say the pro mode where it's just the hearts, chef kiss, fantastic. <laughs> I didn't know that was there. Yeah, it's so it looks so good. It, it makes everything look good. I'll I'll also say that Dark Souls has a shitty UI. Yeah. And really shitty UX within that UI. That's the thing. I would I would I can see where someone where you could say that like you don't like the UI in Zelda, but I think it's yeah. it, it 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 does the job. Yeah. It 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 communicates everything very well. Except for the stamps that you put down on the mini map. Because none of the stamp icons make any sense. Right. But the ones they give you. They give you a star, they give you a sword, a shield, a gem right. of some sort. Uh I don't know, a couple other ones, but it's like, this isn't the stuff I would want to mark on the map. Right. I want to mark places I have to pray. I want to mark, uh, you know, uh, Kariko sprites where I got their seeds from. I want to mark, right. you know, I want to mark either objectives or items right. that I want to find in the overworld. And there's no way I can make my brain remember, oh, the sword means I. this is a memory I haven't been to yet or right. this or that. I do like how when you hover over a shrine, it will tell you, like, you haven't gotten the chest out of the shrine or you haven't gotten... It might tell you if you haven't gotten the spirit orb, but I know at the very least you haven't gotten the extra chest that's in right. this shrine. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying getting to really high places and just paragliding yeah. and seeing how far I can get. Uh I, I like the exploration, but I can see how in their in their chase to make an open world game, have they made the best open world or the best environment to explore? And there are and there are differences in like the biomes because I know there's like a, a canyon area and there's like a snow covered area and there's right. like volcano area. I mean, I'm excited to play more. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to eventually play it, but it's not the Zelda for me. Sorry, Nintendo. Back to the drawing boards. Damn it. But yeah, so like all those elements of the UI, what gets me about it? Okay, so you have the mini map, you have the audio meter, you have the hot cold meter, and then you have what else is there? The beepy thing. Yes, you have the sensor that you can either use to track shrines or when you upgrade it, you can track items. So if like you want to find a particular type of mushroom or something, right. it'll tell you when one's nearby. Mini map, uh, hearts. So I guess what gets me is so I've always kind of been like a minimal UI kind of person. And there's just like there's these four things that I can think of off the top of my head that are on this UI that why isn't the sound represented by a circle that grows or shrinks around the player on the mini map, which would tell you whether you're making noise and how how far far it goes. Yeah. Which is just like, that's off the top of my head. So, I mean, it's just like... I would just be a lot of information to communicate in that. And I don't think the zoom level on the minimap's really clear either. Right. Because, like, I'm very... It's very bad at telling me distance. Yeah. Like, if I have marked a spirit tower that's nearby and I'm walking towards it, the minimap makes it look way closer right. than it actually feels. And it's also way worse when you're on a horse 
because the horse makes it zoom out even more because the horse is supposed to make you move faster and supposed to make distances seem shorter. So that, that's, that's kind of frustrating. But so like, what if instead of that, so what if instead of like this blue line grid, that's supposed to be like, look, you're techno now, uh, it was a topographical map, you know? Well, the map is topographical. Right. But I mean, like there's this overlay of blue lines that like muddy. I don't think it's as intrusive as you think it is. I would say that a grid, a tight grid of blue lines is probably way more intrusive than like uh, a ring around a character showing where audio is coming from. I'll agree that I want, I would want to see where, how far my sound carries. Right. But I'm trying to remember my Wii U tablets right there. Let's, let's, let's field test this. Should I unplug this? Yeah, go ahead and unplug it. It's been charging for a little bit. I'm going to turn this on. You keep talking. But yeah, and then you have like this temperature gauge that's like something from... Oh, it also has a weather gauge. Automobile. Where like you could have represented that like it's universal that blue means cold, red means hot. Why not just have that be an icon on the map? Or that at gradients between them. Like, oh, you're getting hotter, you're getting hotter, you're getting hotter. Yeah. Yeah, I can... uh, Yeah, a lot of those like smaller icons next to the minimap are pretty useless. Right. Like there's the one that's the weather forecast and it's, and it's so small. Okay, so for the longest time, um I thought the sun was oh, I thought it was something else because the sun is like this circle with like a dot, dotted lines around it. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Cuz it's not like rays coming out from it. It's right. like just lo- dotted Dots. lines which are supposed to be like their interpretation of of rays. Yeah. So it's just like as soon as uh, my friend Brandy was playing and as soon as she started the game, I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> whoa, 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 <laughs> like, whoa. This is uh, just right off the bat. I'm <laughs> you, just like, you walk up to your TV with a Sharpie. It's like, all right, yeah. there's this problem. <laughs> nope. There's this Let's problem. This. Yeah. So I don't know. And, and that kind of thing, like, I think permeates a lot of the game mm-hmm. and is the reason that I don't like this new Zelda. And there's a lot of other stuff I can get to. Like, I think the weapon durability is bullshit. I think there's a lot yeah. of stuff. And Just like, gotta get that master sword. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I don't know. I, I definitely think that this is at least like a 7 out of 10 game. Probably an 8 out of 10. But like, I don't I don't grade things like... Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no blue grid on the map. Uh, outs- Once you discover an area... Okay, well I haven't you- seen the discovered area. Yeah. That looks a lot better. Yeah. And that's where the topographic map shows up. So, yeah. yeah. So, what you're talking about is when you haven't climbed a spirit tower yet in that area. But that, if you look around the map, like, those are the areas I've discovered. Right. See, I just feel like it should already be like that. <laughs> well, that's just that's just modern open world design right now where it's like, got to climb the tower. Yeah. All right, like, got to scout. That- like that's a that's a weird thing where it's like it's it's the developers trying to push you in a direction but i think most people ignore it like the developers are trying to push you to be like be aware of your surroundings but instead of being aware of your surroundings you're just like this is the node in which i have to travel to for the map to show me where to go next which is hard because the farther out you go and from the uh, outset from mm-hmm. the early parts of the game the farther you try to get all the spirit towers more likely you're going to die because right. like there are just parts where you the level scale is just way higher than right where you're at at that point where there's no like actual leveling in this game it's just determined by 
How much armor does your equipment have? What's the attack rate or the attack power of your weapons? How many hearts do you have? Yeah, how much stamina? From what I've heard, there are still attacks, no matter how much health you have, are still one-hit kills. Right. From what I've heard. Uh, and that's interesting. I think that's an interesting gameplay mechanic, where it's like, yeah. no matter what, you're going to get fucked by this, so right. just be on your guard. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. Yeah, but I agree that a lot of these, these tool tips down here... Oh, this is what I thought it was. I thought the sun was a snowflake. Uh, so I thought it meant it was going to snow. <laughs> you're just like, looks pretty nice yeah, out here. I don't understand the problem because like it's a really small circle with these really big lines coming mm-hmm. out of it that make it look like a symmetrical snowflake as opposed to a sun with rays. I'm right. like, guys, this no, this doesn't work at all. Yeah. Uh, best part, got my amiibo right here. Uh, got my wool Yoshi. Uh-huh. That's actually Wendy's wool Yoshi. All right, so on the tablet... I'm going to pull up the amiibo spell on my right. iPad, and then I got to cast it. Oh, this is going to be hard. Here, Will, grab the Yoshi okay, and touch his butt to it. Yes, and now a bunch of shit fell out of the sky. What is it? I got raw meat. I got a silent oh. shroom. I got a Hyrule herb, and I got a Hillian shroom. Yeah, that's, that all came out of his butt. I'm just going to... I'm not going to do it in real life, but I'm just going to say eye roll. <laughs> just got some nice Yoshi steaks. Delicious free range Yoshi steaks. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't think, I don't think that Nintendo is interested in making the Zelda game I want. So yeah, cause I'll they don't want to make dark souls. Right. But Ocarina of time was pretty much just like dark souls with cartoony characters. I would say it's dark souls, but linear. Yeah. From what I understand about dark souls. It's true. All right. I'm glad we put a put a cap on that. No yeah. more Dark Souls talk for the rest of forever <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, Will's insides are gonna <laughs> leave leave his body. All right, turn this Wii U off. Uh, have you playing anything else? Uh, not really. Gave up on Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't really returned. I still have it installed. Maybe one day I'll get back to it and try and beat stuff on hard mode or extreme hard mode or whatever i'm on what level you got pretty far in the level didn't you what level were your characters uh 30 something i think damn i'm like 16 yeah i mean like i beat i think it's kind of set up so that they'll release more content yeah piecemeal but like i beat the initial you keep downloading like 50 megs yeah i hate when i open the app and i'm not on wi-fi it's like hey you need to download like 50 megs i'm like well i guess i'm not playing this right now yeah so yeah, no, I'm, I'm not really playing anything substantial. I didn't get a chance to talk about these games on the last podcast because it happened before Sunday at PAX. So on Sunday, um, Mason and Alex had left, and I th- and Dan didn't didn't come to the convention center because he was hanging out with his buddy. So um, my f- Kenny, my friend Kenny, and I were just walking around the convention floor, the expo floor, looking at games. And this is finally when I got to like actually play some like expo floor games. Right. Because before it's like, oh, I got to do this. Got to prepare for the panel. Let's look at obscure stuff. Okay, we're just going to look around here. Uh, okay, we do, do the panel. Okay, we're going to play some board games. But I finally was like, all right, I'm going to walk around, see how bad the crowds are. And the crowds, I mean, the crowds, from what I heard, Friday was actually super busy compared mm-hmm. to previous Paxies. I didn't have that feeling because we only went Saturday last year. So it felt a little more, 
little less claustrophobic than last year. Uh, but there's still plenty of people on the floor. Saturday was a madhouse. And then Sunday, it seemed to lessen a bit more. So I'm walking around. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm not going to stand any lines because fuck that. All right. I'm just going to see if I can jump on anything real quick and play it. So I walked to the super giant booth mm-hmm. and where they're demoing Pyre and they were demoing a, the single player version. And there's like a long line for that. Uh, and a bunch of like, there was like probably like 10, a dozen or so kiosks of just PCs and you play the, the single player version, but there's a couch where you play one-on-one multiplayer and it was right. just like, uh, winner stays, um, next person, you, next person takes the place of loser. And there's like two people staying there. I was like, I'm going to check this out. So I'm watching people play Pyre. Are you familiar with it at all? This no. new one. Have you played Bastion or, or uh, Transistor? Uh, I played a little bit of Bastion. Yeah. Um, so Pyre is kind of like this. They made like a sports game. Really? Like a fantasy sports <laughs> game. Not like fantasy football, but like a right. fantasy, like a fantastical sports game. So it's one on one, and and this is just a multiplayer. Um, I don't know if like the campaign plays any differently, mm-hmm. but it's one on one, and there's this orb in the center, and you control three different characters that you can swap in between. So there's like a really small quadruped creature. There's kind of a tall, slender humanoid creature, and then there's like a really big, kind of like Balrog-looking thing, just like ten foot tall right giant and they're all like these shadowy figures with like what look like like cow skulls on their heads uh-huh. it's a really interesting aesthetic and so there's there's a orb in the center and there's like a bunch of obstacles surrounding it and the reason it's called pyre is that you want to pick up the orb and put it in the enemy's uh pyre and that basically extinguishes the pyre so the different characters you can swap between all have different abilities. Um, they can all move and cast when you're not holding the ball. Uh-huh. When you are holding the ball, all they can do is move slower than the opposite team and throw the ball huh. or pass it. Right. So there's, it's like two different things. So like you can either throw it away from you, like just get rid of it, or you can pass it to one of the other uh, players on your team. Right. When you're in control of the ball, the other player can cast and he can also kill your players if he physically touches them. Mm. So you can just do this thing where if if you can be real quick about it, if the other player picks up the ball, you can sprint and just start touching all these other players and kill them and then go after him because now he has no one to pass it to. Right. The only thing he can do is just throw it. The casting mechanic is that you hold down a button and this uh, line forms in front of you. And that's basically your casting range. Mm-hmm. And when you let go of the cast button, you throw you you uh, cast this like fire spell that like ignites a trail in front of you. Um, and and all the all the characters can do it. The smallest one can do can cast the farthest, but the narrowest line. And mm-hmm. the really big guy can cast the widest, but the shortest line. So it's this this back and forth of like figuring out. And there's also a jump button when you have the ball so you can kind of do this thing and it's really hard with the perspective because the perspective is locked in one place is it overhead it's not overhead it's like it's like 
hovering like three fourths over right, one right. side of the field. So it's hard to see like if a jump's going to pay off or if you're just going to like jump straight into them and die. Right. I think it's pretty forgiving in terms of the person who's jumping. So you can pretty much leap every time. Huh. Um, and there's some logic in there where it's like if you leap and it's like the final and, and, and it knows you're going to get it. Um, it'll like slow down time and like yeah. make it look real cool. Yeah. Or if like you throw the ball in uh, the the game knows it's going to be intercepted. It slows it down. The other player grabs uh. it and runs it. But it's a really cool thing. And I was watching people play. I was like, all right, I'm getting to understand. The controls are kind of hard because depending if you're holding the ball or not holding the ball, the controls switch. Right. So if you're not holding the ball, you have cast. But if you are holding the ball, you are, th- are throwing the ball. Right. If you are holding the ball, you can switch between players. If you are holding the ball, you pass the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's really confusing. And so I was like, okay, now I'm doing this. All right, now I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And the other guy's just fucking just wiping the floor with me. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I only played around I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. It's like, thanks for playing. So your, your pyre has health mm-hmm. and, and every score you make takes away health. Right. But sometimes it takes away different, different, uh, amounts. Oh, really? So tom- sometimes it takes away. And I don't know if that's turned by like how far away you were. Right. Like a three pointer or yeah. something. Um, but it has a hundred health and I've seen it take it down in like figures of 20 15 and 10 okay um i like guy kicks my ass i'm like all right that, i didn't score at all on him right i was like all right that was cool cool that was a fun game it's like thanks for playing <laughs> i was like this is my first time playing he's like oh you should have told me i could have like explained the mechanics or something i was like no that's fine i wanted to, to figure it out uh by myself and i'm sure they would have let me play another round if they wanted to but i was like right all right now i finally have an idea of what this game is yeah or w- whether or not i'll be interested um, when it comes out, I'll probably take another look at it. It, yeah. it, it seems kind of cool, and I really like uh, Super Giants art style. Yeah, because they do this really cool kind of painterly stuff. Yeah. So I left there. Um, and then I played. Where did I walk over to? I played Flint Hook, which is uh-huh. the new tribute game. I have. Do you know tribute? Mm, yeah. They made Mercenary Kings. Yeah. And I forget their beat em up was Wizards and Wizorb that was theirs, no. wasn't it? No, it's it's you play as like this shirtless knight who has wear, wearing like a, a a helmet so you can't see his face, and then you play as like this witch or like the two playable characters. And this is like that it's like a brawl like a brawler, but like yeah. it's like one area. You it don't kinda, walk, walk around. I don't I, I could have sworn it's kinda like Ghosts and Goblins, where it's like you do run around, oh, okay. or it has like that kind of like. 2D. I remember I, I, the 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 pixel art on the backgrounds is like amazing, dope, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I always, always like their 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 uh, art style. Let me look at what yeah, the, they have. Like um, Paul Roberts in that pixel art, dude. Oh yeah, the the art style in Flint Hook looks incredible. Just like just everything, their Tumblr is really cool. If you want, to yeah, follow their Tumblr. <laughs> Curses and Chaos, yeah, is is their last game, and they made the the, um, what's that comic? Uh, with Mike Sarah in it, in the movie, yeah, yeah, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim. They made the Scott Pilgrim beat him up. Um, so I played. I feel this. like they made Wiz Orb. Maybe they did. They did. Oh, my- they did. They did. Okay, you're right. You're right. And I and I knew the name of that game. I just didn't know they made it. Right. But yeah. Um, so I really like the look of this game. Like I, like I said, I think I follow him on Tumblr. So I was like, okay, I want to check this out because yeah. 
like the work on this looks really cool. And so the game is it's a 2D platformer. Stop me if you heard this before. I like it. It's a 2D platformer where you have it's kind of like uh Bionic Commando mm-hmm. if he had a greater range of motion. Mm. So you're running around and you have a gun and then you have like a secondary item. So it can be like a bomb grenade or whatever. And then you have a grappling hook that can grapple to all these um, fixtures mm-hmm. in the environment. And it's and it's very Metroidvania in like it's, it's level design. So it's like mm. discrete room, discrete room, discrete room. There's a grid in the corner. Here's the rooms that you've discovered. Right. Here are rooms that have uh, items in them. Oh, here's a room with a map. So now you can see the entire map, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what's confusing is that you, it's not like you're, it's not like eight direction shooting. It's like full range of motion, 360 mm-hmm. shooting in any direction. The reticle and the movement are on the same stick. So huh. it took me like five, 10 minutes to like wrap my head around. Okay. Ignore the right stick. Everything right. you're doing is with the left stick. So you're just walking around at the same time you're shooting whatever direction you're walking. That's very old school. Yeah. And then you can like, if you tilt up and to the right, you're still running right, but now you're aiming up mm-hmm. and now you can shoot off the the grappling hook and the grappling hook is very fast. So you can just grapple, 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 grapple. Right. And you don't lock onto the area. So you grapple up and then you're, and then you're in the air and you're falling. Uh, okay. So, so it's, yeah. Yeah. So you're constantly moving and, and it's really hard to like both move and shoot at the same time. Cause you're like grapple, grapple, grapple. Okay. <laughs> I would need to move, shoot at this guy and the guy's not even moving, right. but it's like hard to <laughs> aim at him. Um, it's like the, the, the hook from um, just cause, but in 2d kind of. Yeah. You, yeah. You can say that. Cause I mean, but even in just cause, you can still latch on the places. Oh yeah, like you this, can you hang can't. And stuff. This you can't hang. You can't latch on. I just never use it for that. <laughs> I don't think you can latch on the things. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's just it spins you up in the air, and right. then you have to you have to plan your next move. You basically have to plan kind of like three moves ahead. It's like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Can you this, this, jump? This. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not so it's not like bionic commando where it's like okay, all you have is this gun and then right. your your bionic arm. So I played that, um, and that was cool. I really liked. I'm excited about that. I've re- never heard of it, so I really like the art style. The logo is really cool. It's like <laughs> this giant anchor, and it's shining, and the the stack is is awesome. And when you're done with the level, like when you get to the final part, he like he whistles, and this giant anchor just blows through the ceiling <laughs> onto the ground, and then he just hops on it, and then it just rips back up into the air. That's cool. That's very like a uh, bro forcey. Yeah. Um, it's like a, it's like a sci-fi piratey game because mm. like all the stuff looks like old, um, 18th <laughs> century pirate ships, but it's right. in space. That's cool. Yeah. Like your, your little spacecraft is like a, has all wood paneling, but then it's got a dome, dome. over top of it. <laughs> it's really funny. That's so cool. I played that. Uh, I really like that. I played Sonic Mania. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's a Sonic game. Yeah. Because I don't really like Sonic. I'm so psyched for it. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you really like Sonic, I'm like, this is more of that. I'm like, oh, Green Hill Zone, let's go. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm never good at, like, keeping the momentum. Right. Because the whole aspect is like, all right, you need to go fast. It's like, yeah. all right, but if I'm going so fast, I don't know what I'm doing. That is definitely like a, a catch-22 that they've never managed to right. find a good way out of. But, I don't know, it looks good. It looks really good. You know, it would be great is if you were to play Sonic on like 
a movie theater size screen, mm-hmm. but at the same scale. <laughs> so you <laughs> so, just saw the whole map. Yeah, and you're just like, all right, well, I know there's spikes over there. So yeah. Yeah. That, I'm that so was so psyched for it, though. I love Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And so, like, where I'll say that, like, the Zelda franchise is of greater value than Sonic. I totally agree with that statement, but like, this is the Sonic game that like I want them to make. This is a Sonic game that real fans crave. Well, I mean, like, I think like there's Sonic team hates him, right? There's like real Sonic fans that are like into whatever they've done with Sonic that are probably going to just be like, whatever. But like people that loved Sega Sonic, like Sega Genesis Sonic, this is what they've been waiting for. This is what they want. Give what they want. Well, I'm, I'm just never going to get the Zelda I want, but no. they're giving me the Sonic. They're giving it to you. because It's like, fair. It's g- fair. It's like, well, <laughs> well, if you just want to get the Zelda you really want, you just have to hope Zelda becomes unsuccessful. Right. Because <laughs> that's please. how it works. So I want Zelda to be bad for like 15 years. I mean, in my opinion, it kind of was. So. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was fine. It, it played like played like Sonic, played like Sonic 2. The music sounds good. Mm-hmm. I like that other zone they've been demoing, like the casino world yeah. thing. That looks cool. Uh, but yeah, and then me, Kenny, uh, Nick, and Joe from Instant Replay Live, we played uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Adventure League thing where it's like a one-hour campaign. It's usually two hours, but we did the, the very last uh, uh, time slot. Uh-huh. At the end of packs, what is that? It's just they run you through like a really small. It's like tabletop. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just Dungeons and Dragons, but you have like a designated dungeon master, and okay. they do it every year. But it's like you you sign up for it or you line up for it, and they're like, "All right, you seven. So it was it was us four, and then three other Stranger. randos, um, and then we took our pickup group, and they assign us a dungeon master, and it's like, "All right, I have all these pre made uh, character sheets. Right, give it a name." All right, let's roll. That's cool. Yeah. Except one kid was like, oh, I've been playing all weekend because you because there are multiple different types of encounters. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, so I have a monk. I want to play as my monk. He's like level three monk. Yeah. on this like shattered iPad. <laughs> like the iPad screen is just destroyed. <laughs> and he's like, all right. It's like, wait, so which 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 campaigns have you played so far? He's like this one, this one, this one is like, all right, well, got to scrap this campaign because this was the one I was going to use. But you uh-huh. already played it. But he had like another one. It was like really seasoned Dungeon Masters. So it's right. not like, it, you know, they're never going to get phased uh, by anything. I saw they're coming out with like a mobile app. Yes. I'm kind of psyched for that. I am too. I've played Dungeons and Dragons twice in my life. Uh, one time we didn't even get to a campaign. We just spent like two hours creating characters. Yeah. And the other time we delve, delve pretty deep. We did a few meetings and played some. Yeah. But like it's always just been like. Boy, I wish there was a good app for this. It's a lot of upkeep. And there's a lot of like programs for PCs and stuff that will do it, but it still feels like oh cool, cool spreadsheet app. <laughs> this is my Eve Online game. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So we played that. It was like an hour campaign. It was really funny because apparently they had the pack up a lot of packs the night of on mm-hmm. Sunday night. Because packs ends at like seven. And our campaign ended at, it was from five to six. So at like quarter to six, we had like four different people like pull back the curtain because like all the, all the, 
uh, campaigns are curtained off and they just pulling back the curtains like got 15 minutes. Hey, does anyone tell you had 15 minutes? Hey, 15 minutes. <laughs> hey, we're shutting things down soon. <laughs> like, yes, we get it. Like, no one. We're an immersive campaign right now. We're fighting dragons in dungeons. <laughs> it, it was just funny. It's like, all right. I think I think people are afraid of the Boston Convention Center team series are gonna like come in and start breaking yeah. knees if we're not if we're not out of here in time. <laughs> but yeah, overall, Pax Pax is cool. I kind of envy everyone that kind of left early. Yeah, because going around Sunday, I was like, oh, I'm back again. Yeah, here I am. Everybody's a zombie. Yeah, but it but it was not. I like that Sunday was the day I played most of my games. Right. So that's how I do Magfest. Is just like Sunday night or Sunday morning, and just like, all right, check out the arcade. Right. Yeah. Oh, most of them are gone. Yeah. yeah being at PAX kind of made me miss Magfest from the twenty four hour perspective. Right. Because this is just this idea of like oh, i gotta get everything done like everything's got it like everything's got a time limit everything's got a time limit right whereas at magfest it's like what do what you want man go upstairs come back down go put on my pjs go play some arcade games <laughs> take three shots <laughs> come back down play some ddr whatever dude yeah apparently black emperor was at pax east ah. i was real upset because well we didn't see it and that would have been an awesome hidden gem for the panel yeah because then we'd just be like go Fuck everything else. Go play Black <laughs> Emperor. No, I'm just kidding. Every all the stuff we talked about on the panel was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Throne. We kept saying Bobby Thorne on the uh, panel. It's Bobby Throne. I apologize. I felt really bad. He was like, I'm, like Sunday. I was like, oh, it's Bobby Throne. <laughs> and we see Bobby Thor- Thorne like 20 times in that. You're not gonna go go back and you didn't. I mean, I could, I could put something on the beginning and be Throne. like, <laughs> Bobby Throne. <laughs> I mean, I put it in the description. I said, yeah. we caught it wrong. Here's a link to the site. I liked everyone's sites. Um, and as usual, games include Bobby Throne saves the world, Russian subway dogs, uh, semblance, all these other games we played. But yeah. I could go back at the beginning and say, we said Bobby Thorne. We meant to say Bobby Throne. But I'm like, eh. You don't want to mess up the magic. Yeah. It's all about the magic. Yeah. This magic moment. This magic moment. The light's dim. <laughs> all right, Willie B. Got anything else? Oh, man. How was Beta Squad? Beta Squad was fun. Yeah. Was- uh, we had two games. Mm-hmm. Alex's playground, playground, and uh, Galen's time bomb, time bomb, yeah, tame bame. So that was pretty cool. They're they're like very different games, which I kind of liked doing. Um, and they're both kind of like in different stages. I think playground's very early, but it's still very polished. And yeah, it looks time good. bomb's like pretty close. I think he wants to redo the music and. Maybe probably polish up a little bit stuff, but it's like very close and very polished. What's Galen's plan for that? I don't know. It's gonna. I, I think he's busy with like getting a job and stuff. One of them jobs, eh? Yeah. But um, yeah. I, I think I think he's like really close, and it's just like one of those things where it's like the last ten percent of the game takes up eighty percent of the time. Yeah. If that if 
That's being conservative. At, at minimum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, I don't know. But I think he's pretty close. But yeah, it was good. We yeah, good response. Pretty good response. Um, I really like, I like doing these because it's like, I, I always, sometimes I feel like we should be like uh, sending out press releases and doing like more to make these into like big, bigger events. Mm-hmm. But I really like just being kind of like in the community and just being like under the radar. Not really under the radar, but just like not like I, I would rather people from the community come and play the games than like style or something. Gotcha. I want it to be, I, just, I, I want, so I, I, one of the reasons that we started doing is because I want RVA game jams to be more embedded in the community. Which is really why I really like doing like the library stuff too. Cause we've had a lot of opportunities to be like, let's have our Wednesday meetings at this cooler co-working place or something. But like, I like the library because it's very like this is a hub of community. It's non-threatening, right? People can feel safe to yeah come see it. That's cool. So I meant to ask. I've I've been meaning to ask you. I'm curious what you like. What's what's the grander plan for RVA game jams? Like in your head. Um, there's a lot of ways it could go. Uh, I think if Lauren and I get a lot of spare time. In the next year or so, we we would like to kind of explore the nonprofit route and maybe try and get some grants and um that kind of thing. I feel like it's kind of weird because it started off as just like this game jam thing. Right. Hence RVA game jams. Ah. I don't know if that was clear, but um but like could have uh, been more explicit. Like, I I really like that we're kind of doing more. I mean, if you look at our events, it's mostly just community events and then four or five big jams. Right. Um. So I don't know. I And, I, and so one of the directions is to be like, we're going to be this big nonprofit. We're going to get a lot of grants and we're going to be baller rich and like get a space. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. But like, so that's one direction, which would be nice because I do think that Richmond needs like a cheap space for people to go do stuff uh, specifically towards game development. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also okay with it, like kind of being more decentralized. Um, like uh, a lot of our the folks are talking about doing an indie house mm-hmm. in Richmond, which I think would be really great. Um, indie house. Indie house. Indie house. And like having, you know, having, a more community led events where it's just like, Hey, does anybody want to X, Y, Z as opposed to like, Hello, we're Richmond game jams and we're going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that, I think that Richmond being the kind of city it is, has like a really good opportunity to be like, and and especially since this community specifically, the RVA game jams community is like kind of grown like we have an interesting opportunity to just be uh, more of a subculture than a scene, I guess I would say. Because scenes are really, you know, when you talk about like the indie scene in New York, that's NYU. You know, there's nothing beyond NYU. There's a lot of cool stuff happening. There's like the Brooklyn game 
brewery. What is it? I can't think of it. Arcade right now. stuff. No, but there's like the uh, shoot. I can't think of it. The the folks that put on uh, the game devs of color stuff. Expo, oh, okay. There's the baby castle stuff. Okay. But as far as the scene, it's all NYU. No. Do you um, think it, NYU is trying to be exclusionary? I don't think so. I mean, I think they are just in the sense that it costs money to go to college. But, I mean, it's definitely way more than what we're doing where we're like, we need to make everything free. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, but, like, you know, you have all these different scenes and they're all centered around something. But, like, for instance, like, Richmond has, like, a good music scene. Mm-hmm. But it's not really centered around, you know, I mean, like you could argue that back in the 90s, it was like all of veil and like all these things. But like, I think that Richmond now has like a really good music subculture because it's spread out. It's all these different scenes intermingling. And it's kind of it's like I'm not part of that world at all, but I think it's pretty interesting. And I think we have an opportunity to make uh, a subculture of gaming and game development. Mm. That's funny because, like, being who I am, I came from this perspective of, like, I think it would be cool if RVA Game Jams kind of became this umbrella for all the other devs that are here. Right. So it's like we could all identify as this collective of whether it be Ward or Route 76 or right. remote games or everything. It's like, okay, if we're rolling somewhere, yeah, we're under RVA Game Jams. Right, but, like... I've tried to make it so that it's definitely not like RVA Game Jams is Will Blanton and Lauren V. Like, right. yeah. But I think it would be cool if like we were, if we were ever to become big enough, we would be able to purchase booth space at like a, a at a MAGFest or a PAX or something like, right. all right, this is RVA Game Jams area. And here are the like devs, like dev companies that work here. Right. But also here's all the 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 community stuff right i think that would be a very interesting yeah. trying to keep the you know kind of make it two tiers we have the community area that's mm-hmm. kind of more decentralized and then also like here's the collective like here's the brain trust or whatever you want to call right. it for lack of a better term something in between the two of just being like this is the monolith and this is the right and i don't know if that clashes with what you would want no, it to i mean be. i think that organically it'll probably grow that way mm-hmm and I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, like right now you have a lot of organizing going on in the Slack that isn't like official RVA game jams licensed event thing. O- official Ruthie taco birthday. Right. And like, that's exactly like, that's what I want for RVA game jams. I want it to be more community led. I want it to, I want it to be whatever the people in the group make it to be, as opposed to just like me being like, Here's what I think we should do. Coming down from the mountain with your commandments. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe next year I'll have like a huge power trip. And <laughs> that'll be really fun. Shutting it all down. Everyone out. <laughs> we'll blend game jams.com. <laughs> but yeah. That so, ORG. So yeah. Who knows what the future holds, but well, I, I enjoy my place in it. Yeah. And however we can help. Right. We being Ward. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and that was a really good example is like uh, last year I was like, we, we got to do a podcast because there's just all this interesting stuff happening in Richmond. Right. That we need this podcast. And then like 
like pretty much as soon as that thought materialized, I was just like, wait a second, like Ward's doing that and mm-hmm. they're doing a good job. Like, Hey, thanks. Like, yeah. And like, you guys are supporting us and I'd like RV game jams to feed back into that and mm-hmm. support you guys. Yeah. So yeah, good I think, vibes. I think we got a good, we got a really great community. Like, I think so too. It's so good. It's in, in it's, and I'm sure there are plenty of communities in the U S and around the world that people just don't know about. Right. Like when we were talking to the semblance devs and they're from Africa specifically, um, South Africa and oh my God, I can't remember the other country. Dan had to tell me on the panel and I've blanked out again. I'm sorry, <laughs> but one of the devs is from, um, uh, South Africa and we were talking about the South African dev scene mm-hmm. and, um, just all the stuff's coming out there, but you wouldn't know about it. Like right. I, I didn't know bro force was out of South Africa. Right. And, you can only imagine like all the different dev collectives that are like around the world that just don't get showcased. Right. And it'd be really cool to find a way to just not even just showcase us, but like showcase Mm -hmm. all of these people. So like drew Scanlon from giant bomb, he left and he's doing a Patreon now called cloth map, which Mm -hmm. is where he explores. He he is basically a travel log, but specifically for game development. That's pretty cool. So it's like, how are games? What kind of games did they play? in Korea or what kind of games do they play, you know, in the Middle East or things like that. And I watching he's like cleared like 20 grand a month now. <laughs> That's and he, pretty great. And he just launched a Patreon like 2 weeks ago. But it's funny like looking at it and like dude, you could just do it the US and spend like 3 years just oh, yeah. like going to every single dev collective that's yeah. just like really just contained to that city. Right. And it'd be crazy. And trying to do the whole world is also crazy. Yeah. I think a lot of the times, like, these collectives get well-known from either one famous game or crazy drama. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like like us to be famous for a a crazy successful game, but I'm happy that we're not famous because of drama. Mm -hmm. We have, like, a lot of really smart people that aren't interested in that, I think. Yeah, I think think everyone's got... I think everyone has good intentions for yeah. RVA game jams and the whole the community here. But yeah, so Will, I would like to say thank you for taking the time oh. out of your schedule to My come pleasure. on the podcast. I always appreciate it with you and Sam and everyone else takes yeah. time to talk on this. And I would like to present you. With 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 something very special. It's an iPad. No, <laughs> it's a Sheikah Slate branded iPad with uh, this Penny Arcade Lawbreakers pin. Did I received at PAX East? This is really cool. I'm glad you like it. I don't know what it is. I don't either. I think but it's a know, character. Faust, another great magical story. You'd be like Faust, another great inspiration <laughs> and someone you should follow you know one one time uh real quick just to bring this all back to zelda all right in probably like zelda 2006 two. i was like i was just like 
beside myself that I would never get the Zelda game that I want, right? Okay. See, this is the thing. It's like, I'm a huge Zelda fan, but just <laughs> so in one specific... So I was like, what would my specific Zelda game be? And it was like this super crazy Faustian story. It was like very inspired by Goth's Faust. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It was pretty shitty, probably. But No. It's fun. Did you ever look at um, Aaron Diaz's... Uh, proposed legend of zelda from like a couple years back no it was very like kind of steampunky and very technologically driven and it was um proposed zelda as the playable character as opposed to link right um it was very interesting it was and it's funny because like you should look it up Uh, i'll link to it in the in the description but a lot of the aesthetic Mm -hmm. and a lot of the proposal in there are very reminiscent of what's in Breath of the Wild. That's pretty interesting, especially from like the the the, the technological influences and things like so that. So you're saying is I should put it out there, and then the next Zelda game. Well, you got it. Well, he made art, so you got to make some art. Okay. And you got to make some proposed mechanics. Got it. And then Nintendo's just gonna snatch it up. I just want a Ray Harryhausen Zelda game. Okay. That's it. All right. I can see that. Stop That's- motion skeletons. Get with it. <laughs> Clash of the Titans, but yeah. Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Come on, Nintendo. All right. All right. I'm on board. I'm on board. Well, thank you for the pen. You're welcome. It's very beautiful. I'm glad you like it. This guy's got like a an art easel stuck into his head. Yeah, he's like a hammerhead shark, but a human. It's rough. <laughs> I mean, like, well, what can you do? I guess be a lawbreaker's character and shoot up some people. Yep. Apparently, Cliffy B was at the show I was at in Raleigh for like a hot second. And I didn't know that. Apparently, he like stopped by the uh, uh, Extra Life booth because Extra Life had a booth there. Oh. And he was like there and then he like looked around for like, a smoke bomb and just he was gone. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Will. No problem. Thank you, Dylan. No problem. Have a good one. You too.